rewilding the mind. Rewilding the mind. It's uh, like uh, taking out of uh, uh, unnecessary or constructions, unexamined, confused constructions. Um, and uh, planting, beginning to reseed some wisdom, some understanding, some skills, and giving it the time and the encouragement for something more um, natural, more verdant, more organic, more nourishing to come through. <clears throat> In a way, this is about coming out, coming out of our boxes. Uh, what boxes? Uh, coming out of our houses, what houses? Uh, so we've all come out of our uh, houses, our lo- local uh, familiarities, uh, uh, constructed world of time and place and jobs and possessions and so forth. Uh, We're just recognizing, you know, this is rewilding the mind, not not rewilding the body. So we cannot live as human beings. We're in this sense of the condition we can't live like bears (laughs) uh, out there. Nice, thick, we got deprived of hair long ago. So it's just too cold out there. And so we just can't live on roots and berries and stuff like that. So it's rewilding the mind, so it's not about going crazy either. So we recognize the limitations of the sensory condition, predicament that uh, human bodies are in. (coughs) But then we also are encouraged to recognize the potentials of the human chitta, human mind, human heart, that other creatures don't have, that uh, in fact... Uh, offer us a way out of this sensory condition altogether, mm. a way for release from it. It's not just purely a sensory condition either. It's a condition that's most easily uh, recognized in the sensory experience where there's definitely there's compartments. Aren't there? There's a me compartment, a you compartment, there's a this body, there's a that body. You know, there's a my country and your country and your town and my town and my stuff, my belongings, your belongings and what I like and what you like and uh, what I enjoy and what you enjoy. There's all these kind of, we're very compartmentalized in that way. We're quite discreet and separated. You know? And it's not so upon that fundamentally sensory presentation, all these other internal qualities start enacting your mind, yours, uh, what do you think about me, I've got more than she does, she has more than I have, um, how am I going to get on with her, all this stuff starts happening, yeah, and then the fear, basically different, sometimes just quite subtle sense of anxiety or uncertainties, it wants to withdraw, not to, not to Comfortable with contact, not certain about contact, certain hesitancy, or the desire where I'm just going to jump right in there. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the kind of 
responses that can occur around that isn't it? in various forms one way or another yeah. around the realm of separation yeah. and uh, so we um, and we begin to recognize this is because we live in a box and we don't even recognize there is this box but this box is something that's got an edge to it called me and you on one level yeah, and there's a hand of so I feel what might be outside that box could be difficult. So let's make sure I've got a nice, you know, firm door there, a wall. But then what's outside that box might be rather nice. So let's make sure the door can open, get it, reach out there, get my feel goods, bring it back in again, close the door. <laughs> do you ever do that? <laughs> Squirrel, hoard away, got my little stack of feel goods for the winter, and uh, hoard away. And why, why isn't this working? <laughs> why isn't this working? <laughs> Don't see, perhaps I haven't got enough of them, you know. So you get a few more, it still isn't working. And the struggle to keep getting more gets a bit tiring. Yeah. And wonder what, we didn't get the right one, or we didn't find the right one, or we didn't meet the right one, or we kept meeting the difficult ones, or we never, you know, how do you get out of this massive suffering? <coughs> and then, uh, of course, so this starts, this begins the process of inquiry, you know, what, what's happening here? You know, we're, we're looking around, and then, you know, one be fortunate uh, the two fortunate conditions. One is that process of one's own, you know, recognition, beginning to intuitively sense something wrong here and start to start searching. And the other is the voice of another, paratagosa, which means someone, something else, someone outside, someone, or you hear it or you read, someone tells you the truth. Oh. Not because they want something or because they're trying to push you into something, just because it's the truth. You go, oh. And that's interesting, because it hits a resonance. And you go, oh, somebody's telling the truth. <laughs> and uh, this is where it starts to leap off the page. And I think, you know, one of the, some of these Buddhist terms indeed are, don't immediately strike resonances. They're quite difficult, uh, particularly because they come through an old cultural language and translated but you get the basics of it and I think you know when I heard something like you know so getting what you don't getting being associated with what you dislike is suffering separation from what you liked is suffering not getting what you want is suffering I thought somebody's told the truth <laughs> <laughs> wow how do I get out of that you know and you start to think, look into that you know and you recognize something, you know, you may in fact recognize, well, how could it be any other way that one seeks association with something to have? One avoids, tries to get away from something one doesn't have. Is it possible to do that? No. Getting, not getting what you want is suffering. Is it possible to, well, you know, so this, um, we're encouraged, as the Buddha said, there is a way out of this. 
And essentially it's what one sense of this is coming out of our box, out of our me box, out of our mind box. Mm. This is putting it pretty colloquially because then it, 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 uh, you, you get it, even though it needs quite a lot of teasing out what that is. But it's a nice image coming out of the box, coming out of the house, as the, the Buddha said on his moment of realization, house builder you are known, your rafters are broken, your ridge pole is shattered, you will not build this house again. I have, my mind has gone to the dissolution, the visankata, the, the ending of conditions. It was a kind of, uh, like a exclamation, like, an, like a realization, exhortation. So what is the house that's being built? Yeah. House of strategies to try to hold something, to try to hold something in here, to try to protect from what's out there. The more or less, you know, the deal you get as a, as a sensory creature, even bears seek lairs, <laughs> somewhere to get protected. So that's, that's in a way that's conditioned in by the conditioned nature of sensory experience. There's an in here, there's an out there. Yeah, and there's already there's some kind of sense of suffering, potential. And then of course upon that the human mind picks up that theme. Jitta picks up that theme and starts to uh, embellish it. Yeah. So we get psychological houses, views. This is my position. I'm not, you know, I have a different position from you. You're outside my group, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not including you in my world. Get off my planet. <laughs> yeah. Or I want you in here. You know. Reach out and take hold of somebody and get him inside. <laughs> so like accessories. Yeah. Or I'll give a bit of me to you and you give a bit of you to me. Okay, we'll sort of do a deal and see who got the best deal out of it and I find it. A bit of you I got isn't really worth that much. <laughs> and you're coming to the same conclusion. Because <laughs> it isn't quite, <laughs> it doesn't quite satisfy in the grasping sense, you know, because as soon as there's that sense of the compartmentalization, something really essential is lost. Yeah, the boundlessness, the measureless, the easy flow of a warmth and sharing and mutuality is lost, isn't it? We start to hoard. So we, you know, and we begin to notice first of all the the uh, you know what the hindrances present: ill will and and sense desires. The first two, you know, recognizing. You know, you can deal with senses are in many, in several ways, looking at the object do you crave, is it so good, what's going to happen to it in 10 years' time, is it really worthwhile, you know. Uh, and then but after a while you begin to also recognize just that sense of the lunge onto a something, it's just that, God, whoa, there it goes again, that tug onto something. When you begin to just soften on the object, 
and recognize the pull of the heart onto something, you know, whether it's a car or an item of clothing or a human body or something, that kind of lunging, it's kind of rough, isn't it? It's exciting. It can be exciting with the about to get, going to get that excitement, the rush of that energy. It tugs. And then when it lands, that excitement kind of hovers for a few moments and it sort of fades. This is a process called tanha, isn't it? Tanha, that surging up onto something. And then the hold, and then as you hold, as it gets held, the, the, you can't get excited anymore because you've got it now. So the sense of about to get has now finished. Because you're, you're not about to get, you've got the thing. You know, and then starts to lose its glow because the glow was primarily generated through this sense of about to get, the excitement of that, the passion about to get. And when you've got it, you can't be about to get it anymore. <laughs> you've got it. So that particular glow starts to fade, doesn't it? Then you've just got this thing which, you know, Okay, well, it's no longer giving me the about to get signal, is it? Because I've got it now, so that's why you're about to get something else. So you have that same rush again, you know? And the moment when we just get, is that moment, oh, how lovely that is, really nice. Oh, oh, another one, you know? That's the that's the psychology of that's the process of tanha as you contemplate it. The excitement of about to get and the fading glow of getting and then the need to do it again. So this is a kind of an addictive process. We get kind of hooked on on that excitement, passion. Of that. That's called karma tanha. Yeah. And then there's Bhavatana, the about to become something, you know. Obviously, two examples, famous, number one, promoted, adored, achieved, you know, something. Or the wickedest, or the stupid, you know, the most delinquent guy on the block, whatever, are going to become something, you yeah. know. And there's that rush to become something, and then how long does that last? before that rush also fades in just an ordinary being again wanting to become something else or somebody else has become a bit better than you. you know. and they're becoming in gross terms. And then the wishing to avoid being anything at all, how far can you retreat before you get you become something? Oh, she's a really shy, retiring person. You've been, then you become something, haven't you? <laughs> So vipava, the, the craving to just not have to meet contact, not have to meet experience, to not have to touch experience, not be affected by contact, just get away. How far are you going to get away? Where is it to run to? Before anxiety starts tapping at your door. When you contact that. Dysfunction starts tapping at your door, you don't know how to operate. So even when we can, you know, avoid sense contact, we still can't avoid the mind contact. And even when we, you know, 
give up trying to become something in terms of society or status. We still want to become, still we haven't got past becoming because then we become a meditator or recluse or we become, take a form of some kind or another. Yeah, and you recognize whatever becomes is subject to dukkha, unsatisfactoriness. Needs to keep being pumped. Yeah. So if you become calm, you want to get calmer. You become, you know, a particular state of mind. How long does that state of mind last? Then you want to make it more, more, the next, the next, the next, the movement of time. So these are, you know, we're just recognizing that the discomfort, however, you know, apparent or almost inevitable some of these objects are, like we do eat things and touch things and taste things and see things, you can't avoid on the ordinary daily life sense contact. It's the trajectory into it, the, the leaping into it that could be recognized as oof, rough, raw, not really leading anywhere good, could I just meet it instead? Just meet sense contact and allow it to touch and see what happens there and begin to soften. What's the appropriate response here? What's actually is genuine, is gentle, is spacious, is authentic in this to allow contact to touch without jumping. And another response may arise from the chitta to allow it to touch, to open, dispassion, unskillful conditions cease, and the phenomenon itself is allowed to move through, pass, and some bit has been relinquished, which is the tendency to clutch and hold. And much has then been developed by a person who does this, whose jitta has accomplished this. Much has been developed, much has been understood. <clears throat> we should not underestimate that. Every time we reach those clutch hold on points and instead pause, every time we meet that surge of passion or resistance or panic, the Vibhava, get me out of here, every time we meet that surge in just upamada, heedfulness, Heedfulness is the path to the deathless. Because at that moment of pausing, you vacate, just soften, widen, don't, yeah, don't follow the trajectories. Dispassion, become more spacious and um, uh, less time bound about it all. Wait for it to complete itself. Mm. Don't get bothered about what you've got excited about or repelled by or felt regret about or felt guilty about or you know, started to form yourself as being an idiot or needy or attached or compulsive. Don't bother <laughs> you know, with that behaviour. It's a resonance we all have, the Bhava Tanha, and you wait for that. Okay, you know, instead of, here I am getting anxious, oh, here's that tremble. 
here I am getting compulsive, or here's that panic, that urgency. Here I'm getting excited, or it's that surge of, hmm, it's like that. Mm. And then, okay, relationship, responsiveness. Now, so when the, with right view, the Buddha presents conditions rather than people as being the fundamental unit of conditioned experience. This is an enormous blessing and relief. It seems so bleak and sterile in verbal terms. Where's the heart gone? But the heart is that which handles conditions. And there are beautiful conditions and skillful conditions. And what it does is it helps to just get out of the box of the personhood. Yeah, which you'll always find is going to start clamping. You know, here I am a guilt, I am a, a stupid person. I am a, because, because some ignorant impulse arose. Well, well then you've just locked that in. <laughs> yeah. Because you weren't, didn't have this space or the dispassion to allow... Uh, a regrettable or an unskillful impulse to rise and move through. Yeah. There was such a instinctive contraction, we closed the door and we locked it in. So you're a stupid person, uh, needy person, feeble person, greedy person, confused person. Yeah. Oh dear. So then what happens? Well, you start painting the inside of the box. <laughs> yeah. To make it look better, yeah. or we'll pull something in. But really, the relief is to recognise you don't, on the ch- terms of chitty, you don't have to have a box. You, know, you can allow those, you know, impulses and instincts and movements that we might, you know, wiser moments, not experience but happen. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And dispassion. There is a there is a way out, but it's not through suppression. Uh, not it's basically through not contracting, not non-attachment. We might say, mm, not that clenching around, which one is barely noticed because it becomes so habitual that, that the assumption is well. That's well. It's not even an assumption. It's an underlying view that's sub-intellectual, even sub-beneath the emotions, is almost like a ontological quality of gripping. Yeah. And these, are called, these qualities are called anutsaya, latent tendencies, the tendency to a view, a proclivity, to, to the, the holding on to something is life. Without it, it's death, or something like that. It's a loss. It's a, you know, these are not. You can't put these in words because they're not verbal experiences. They're instinctive experiences. That's why we have to really, you know, the meditation is to take us past the words, past the ideas, past the jargon, which can be so littered with should be, shouldn't be, do this, do that pass that into the heart, into the tremblings of the heart, 
and even past that into something much more primary than an emotion, but an overall felt sense that keeps being generated. Mm. But there's a path to that. Certainly right view is part of that. Just to keep remembering and recollecting these are conditions only, causes and conditions only. Mm. And isn't that true? You start running it through. You know, this this experience of this particular room depends upon having eyes. Well, that's a condition. Depends upon having attention. Depends upon having a cognitive process that labels it. It's dependently arisen. If we close our eyes, if we don't make contact with that, where's the room? Just because it pops up every time you open your eyes, you assume it's always there. Well, on the sensory level, we could say that, but actually in terms of felt experience, no, it's not there. And you're okay. You've lost the house. <laughs> yeah. It's still okay, because actually, reality reality is we don't jitter doesn't actually live in a house, doesn't live in a box. So you take this room as an example. Well, when you unplug those particular conditions, which isn't too difficult to do, we recognise there's a hereness, which isn't about the room or you know sense contact mm. this is just an obvious example yeah. and then once one's you realize one's psychological instructions I am a body I'm a man I'm a woman I'm a this that or the other well you know if you stop those verbalizations where do they go <laughs> who's here is it really a woman Really? What's so you know? What's so what's so female about it? Presence is not gender specific, is it? It can certainly form into that. We recognise form, the arising of form and energies and all that. But the hereness, no, we don't have to always be, you know, just limited by that. So as a recognition of the ability to unplug conditions without hatred, but just sense, well, actually, this isn't needed right now, and I don't have to keep this one running right now. I'm finding an opportunity just to be able to do that. Of course, much of, much of our, most of our houses are generated not just through buildings or bodies, but an incredible dense weave of what I am, what I should be, the future, my past, who, I, who I'm with, who I'm not with, how I am, how so some of it kind of woven almost conceptually, some of it really woven in emotionally. I'm a sort of second-rate person or a person, you know, I don't really deserve very much. And we don't even understand these, these emotional features, the shaping of ourselves emotionally. I'm a rebellious person or I'm a What's that, you know? So, but still, these are still our boxes, which uh, we live in and 
there's other other beings out there who are separate, different from me, who then you have to form some kind of relationship with. And coming out of the box is not a matter of tearing down walls. We're recognizing the conditioned nature of these boundaries and on a sensory external level, yeah, it's necessary to know you know, where you are and whether you're a man or a woman or whatever. Yeah. But then there's a point in which you, these are just conditions and you don't want to really take a stand on it ultimately. Uh, what could you take a stand on to find security, to find safety, to find... A, hmm? It would be nice not to have to have the, the fighting and defending and the arguing and the comparing and the flustering and the bluffing would it be nice to have avoiding the fear and the anxiety and the bashfulness and the arrogance and the domineering and the cowering? Would it be nice to just get out of that? <laughs> so, well, it's, you know, these are conditioned in through the person attachment to the person pack, whether they're acted upon or not, subtly gross. Mm. You don't break out of them, you, you gently acknowledge those as conditions. And the beauty of that, this is not a personal failing. These are conditions you must wake up to them. You must meet them. You must meet them in your own time, in your own place. Meet that which arises, this one. And you meet it, you pause, soften, widen. How is this? Hmm. So really much of our practice is then really relational meet that which arises, the point of contact. It's relational, but it's a deep relational. It's a relational quality that, as in any full relationship, begins to acknowledge the edginess of the I am and doesn't fight that or accuse it, just acknowledges the edge of my box. Okay. And what's really needed here? Hmm. What's really needed here? Yeah. And one of the qualities of these Brahma Vihara that we are, or measureless qualities that we are bearing in mind, is these do, they, we, we name them, we touch into them, we cultivate exercises that bring them to our attention, acknowledge this way of being. This also is a potential for the citta. This is something in this tremendous richness and storehouse of beauty that we all have as a capacity. Could this not be to our advantage? And indeed it could. So what is called the doors to the deathless are, li- are named as the states of absorption, 
you know, through what we call basically somatic qualities, states of absorption, and the Brahma-vihara or the measureless abidings. They, in a way, they, they both do the same thing. They soften the textures of our resistance and craving. Mm. They're able to absorb the impact of our tension and resistance and a desolation, a hunger, and they absorb it and melt it. And we, until those those edges start to dissolve. It's called the eleven doors. I won't go into all the details now. But essentially, we say that basically it's the, the doors that you enter through the body, through you know, entering into the fullness of the body, through samadhi, and the doors you enter through the fullness of the heart, called the measureless abidings. Yeah. And my, my reckoning is if you're smart, you don't get picky, you do any one you can, any old door will do. <laughs> You don't want to really have to cultivate all 11 and just say, well, one will do, just get me out of here. <laughs> but I'm going to try tapping on a few to see which one, which one opens best. <laughs> so now I'm just this, this time round, you know, as both as uh, I think it certainly benefits our body meditation, we're just tuning into those measureless states. You know. Quality of just goodwill, isn't that lovely when one can extend that, when one can realise this potential that we all experience, loving kindness. Or the non, non-moving into aversion may be the baseline of it. You experience, one experiences a sense of ill will, aversion, which could be fear. You know, ill will isn't always hatred, it's a sense of retracting. You know, either bitterness, rancour, resentment, Guilt, you know, is another form of ill will, which means ill will towards myself. Inferred hostility, everyone else hates me. Fear, anxiety, there's nasty stuff out there that's going to do me in. Yeah, That's all we call this, the qualities of a will, or a will that's gone ill, that's soured. Hmm. We're no longer willing to be here. Yeah. In fullness, we retract. And anything that causes, lessens that retraction as a heart gesture is to be encouraged, the quality of goodwill. And we can practice this very directly in our own minds, in our own bodies, indeed. Because at this level, when you begin to touch into somatic resonances and somatic presence, you begin to sense the quality of goodwill is just not not just a theory. It's not just I should be a kinder person as a theory, as a conceptual pressure to be something that you're not, <laughs> but actually bestowing, finding a way to bestow a little bit of graciousness to this experience of being in your body's thoughts. You feel that in a somatic sense. So we introduce that seed. What's it like? We introduce it at the baseline. What's it like to re- recollect one has been provided with 
some degree of safety, shelter, clothing, food, generosity, graciousness, warmth. What does it feel like? Touch it, get it, let it soak into the fibres. So if you're sitting in that, so this cultivating meditation, you pick up the sign, just as the sign of ill will could be triggered by one downturned mouth, by one door that's closed hastily, by somebody turning their gaze away from you, you can pick up the sign of, oh, he doesn't like me, there's something wrong with me, you know, just because a little gesture like that can trigger it, as you'll recognise, you know. Sitting at the breakfast table or something, somebody, you know, looks a bit unhappy, and oh, it's my fault, he doesn't like me. Somebody moves their chair away. Oh, he's trying to get away from me because I'm so bad. <laughs> you know how these things can, can trigger? You know, we pick up the sign of ill will and shivers and then our whole body feels it. And then we spin into the sense of, yeah, you know, something wrong with me and whatever we make out of that. And so you see, just a little trigger like that can generate huge contraction in the body. Similarly, we take up a skillful sign, a sign of goodwill, and keep triggering it, triggering it, triggering it, triggering it, bringing up specific memories, contacts, signs, trigger it, trigger it, and then look, receive, will you? Stop trying to do it. Yeah. Stop trying to be a nice person, good person, just receive, learn to receive the humility of that. Take your wall down, open your door, you know, let yourself receive. And you see how even that is already taking down the the wall of fear, I need to keep my I've got to keep my boundaries otherwise. So just even a sense of being willing to receive is already the first touch of the reversal of ill will. The tendency to go that way. Mm. If I'm seen, I'm exposed, I'll be seen as pathetic, needy. Yeah. If I receive anything, it must be because I don't have enough, I'm not good if I'm not good enough. You know, wow, the psychology of that. So this is a really, you know, quite a skillful and gentle process. And we're receiving at least our own sense of there's something here worth protecting and cherishing. My presence. Being present. You know, because if you start to go through your list of actions, well, you can't say they're all ace, star successes, are they? <laughs> so, so trying to have, generate mind and goodwill based upon your CD, your, your CV, you know, is it kind of, well, failed there, made a bit of a botch of that, tried that, didn't, well, that was not bad, I suppose, but then, you know, it doesn't really work, but just upon the sense of being. And that's really important because that's where you're coming into what I call the ontological uh, basis of, of 
clinging. Hmm? Ontological, I mean the state of being. The state of being is where you want to let that quality of goodwill to melt, to drain down into. There's actually probably, in some ways, it's it's could be easier or more simple if you can open to that. It's almost impersonal or non non nothing to do with your personality. Put it that way. And you touch into all that, yeah. There is that. And then could it then be directed towards the more specific, the personhood? In here, people around, doesn't matter. Yeah. In a way, we see forms, we experience forms, a form I call this one, a form I call that one. Just being able to inflect goodwill towards experience of self and other. Mm? And, yeah. Remember, keep both of those in mind. They're both forms. And just recognizing, say, when you're on retreat, perhaps the first form you need to deal with is this form here, with its, you know, you can directly access. And keeping aware of, well, yeah, but that other beings too. Quality of goodwill must be generated directly, immediately, where it's a sign of ill will triggers, and that's in our own hearts. Where the ill will is towards you or towards something in myself, we touch that. It really always operating at the same place. Chitta. Meet what arises. So when there's this quality, then the sense desire just doesn't really have so much traction on it because you feel nice and warm and comfortable. You don't really want to go through that lunging stuff. Yeah, it's better to just be with this. There's a big benefit in that. Mm. It means you can exist within a world of sense contact, but you're not taking a stand on it. Mm. You find something that's more intrinsic, and that you could have some say over. Sense contact, you never know. But heart, you can. You can be in that. You can heal that, you can warm that. And that's just the direct truthfulness of it all. Mm. Quality of karuna, compassion, means we meet that which annoys us, (laughs) disappoints us, offends us, irritates us, saddens us. Hurts us, and uh, there's both the what protects from this damaging of that, and uh, you know, so it's that which begins to open 
to that, not resisting. So this is the other really dramatic change from the sensory condition where on the sensory level it's something, you know, painful is happening, you shield, you stop it coming to you. You know, you put up your bound, you put up your defences, you have defence systems. With jitta you have protection systems rather than defence systems because when it's in your jitta you can't stop it entering, it's already there. So when you clench to defend yourself you actually hold it in. It's like the arrow is already stuck in your heart and now you're holding it in. <laughs> yeah. Because you're in your box again. The defence didn't work and it got in. And now you're holding it to defend yourself is actually holding the arrow in. <laughs> and so the, the direct Dharma logic is, well, just open to that. What? Open to pain? To feeling hurt, feeling wounded? Well, yeah, actually. Don't say you're going to enjoy it, but can you soften, widen, sense the tip of the arrow, the hurt nerve? What is it that can do that with a sense of opening to it? That's called compassion. And if you try to be a compassionate person, that's a, that's a great intention. That's a lovely idea, and we can go far with that. But um, experiencing the condition called hurt or pain as a condition and responding to that with opening and you know, letting go of the topic and the person who did that and just directly feeling a feeling as a feeling allows that feeling to rise, swell and pass. The arrow drops out because there hasn't been that clenching around it. This is the skill of compassion, non-resistance. Let's go of resistance impression. It's a skill. It's a profound, a profound realization, a profound development. And it can take quite a while. So we, you know, we can generate that first of all by being willing to note the suffering of others and you know, feel in a way we're sometimes seemingly helpless in the suffering of others, but we don't want to be separate from it. We don't want to shut it down. Why not? Because we have empathy. And something, you know, some basic jitta intelligence, some jitta knowledge does not want to be broken up into me and you, and who cares, and I'll go somewhere else. It just doesn't want that vibhava, that desire to get away from. And so the more we cultivate jitta, the more we touch it, we begin to recognize this strange, from a personal point of view, the strange logic of it. I would sooner be with the painful than break up and shove it away into you and them and it's out there and so what or it's his fault and her fault and there they are nasty person (laughs) 
I don't want to be stuck with those things because I know if I do that, if I break it up into nasty people, stupid people who hurt me, those people are going to stick inside me forever. (laughs) And I just keep going back to them and getting the law court again. (laughs) Or wheeled off to the hospital again. (laughs) So I'd soon just be with it. Well, I don't want to be with it, but my chitta finally says, this is the only way. It ain't comfortable, but this is the only way. Get to it. Because otherwise you keep, your mind's going to just keep spinning out these narratives of She's like this, and he's always like that, and they did this, and they never provided this, and where does that go? You know, back to the law court, the rights and wrongs. You can spend a lot of time in the law courts, as you know, it's a real thriving business. But then there's the coming into the arena of, of life, it hurts. And everybody hurts. And in that hurt, people do crazy stuff. Let me not do crazy stuff. Let me find that impulse to shield and defend and blame and, and run away or get resentful or store up grudges. Let me find that nerve and pause. Soften around that. Let the feeling arise. Move through subside relinquish the person so this is the way we cultivate and with this the quality of ill will you know begins to just not be a relevant channel or a channel that once jitter runs down very you know doesn't do that it's possible at least it can reduce considerably to moments or flickers, but increasingly as you cultivate, it just becomes a irrelevant channel. It just doesn't go anywhere useful. It actually stores up pain, doesn't defend you from it. It doesn't get rid of those nasty, annoying people, it stores them. <laughs> this is the madness of that, uh, of ignorance and craving and holding on it that it makes it worse rather than fixes things this is something to cultivate around just physical pain of some use but primarily around the psychological emotional pain and even not you know, necessarily pain but discomfort awkwardness Uncomfortable feeling. Okay. Yeah. That's not unusual. Nothing wrong with you. Let's try to meet that. As it arises. As a condition. Boring. Meet the boring. As a condition. What do we expect? 
out of life. Constant pleasant feeling. There has to be room for painful, tedious, boring, uninteresting feeling. Because that's what's there on the level of feeling. This is the movement that we can summarize as compassion. Yeah. It may sound very lofty, it's actually on one level incredibly kitchen sink, mundane stuff. Uh, because it's, and it's possible, to me this is really quite astonishing, it's why it is generally the word empathy or anukkapa is associated with compassion because it's this point you begin to recognize, hey this is strange, there must be something very fundamental here Something in me, actually, some strange quality, actually wants to, would, wants to touch the painful rather than keep splitting off from it. That's weird on a personal level. But that's the truth of citta. It resonates. And it doesn't want to lose that. Because this is where it's alive awakened, beginning to wake up from its dreams and its dullness and its stagnation, coming into the wildness of citta. Not crazy wild, but alive, vital, resonant, empathic. And you begin to acknowledge there are certain primary needs there that it has on that level. Just feel a sense of empathy, mm. to establish a sense of um, being safe in this, to be able to bring forth its truth, its goodness, its brightness, its, its warm-heartedness, mm. and to enjoy it. Mudita, the ability to enjoy, to be gladdened by, not by sense contact, not by passion and desire, but by, gladdened by the beauty of citta as it arises in this being, in that being. doesn't really matter because it's here that it's touched, here that it's appreciated. You know, and you can say, well, you know, she did, she had a good day, so what? But I don't want to cut off like that, break up. Then I get jealous or feeling I'm lesser or something. I don't want to go down that. Why can't I actually, something here, notice, you know, her vigor or her grace or her generosity and feel, ah, oh, sadhu, how lovely to touch that quality because I also... That's how you share it, that's how you get full of it. Then we fill each other up. Mm. Rather than keep starving each other and competing over who's got the best. We fill each other up with the quality of mudita. This is a big quality, and particularly in uh, Buddhist cultures, you know, when people, anamodana is the word. We rejoice. 
And people love to form groups where they get together and they make some group offering and everybody feels happy. And they nobody counts who did what and who got, you know, it's just a sense of we all participated and we all share the gladness of a shared act of, of dana generosity or something like that. People love that. And you see them just lighting up with joy. Uh, and the eagerness to do that. It's very primary. Empathy. And in our, you know, our self-resilience, our self, I can do it on my own, thanks. Uh, independence, all that. Um, we can lose, so we gain certain things in terms of, you know, what? <laughs> Ability to build better and better houses. <laughs> uh, but in terms of actual coming out of the box, we lose. And that's the tragedy, we very tragic for people. Living in a city, five million people, you're on your own. All the doors are closed. Mudita, the chance to experience and rejoice in the skillful, the good, and take it in, and feel recognize that chitta can come through its selfhood, its mind, its yeah, and all all the fear and the craving that goes in with that. It can rejoice in the in this in its natural goodness. Whether this arises, wherever this arises, it touches and we resonate with that. Once the jitter can resonate, then it, it it doesn't really matter, you know. The sense of direction begins to stop. The sense of inferred space and distance begins to stop because that really isn't there in jitter. It's an inference. Upeka, as we begin to appreciate the quality of jitta, becomes more trusting and capable of recognizing a path through the flows of the difficult, the ups, the downs. These are conditions that arise, their tests, their challenges don't hold on. Stay open to all that. But do stay with it. So the difference between it's called equanimity and indifference. Indifference means you don't stay with it. You shrug it off. So what? And you're back in your box again. Equanimity, you take the wall down, you open up to all of it, you stay with it, but you don't take a stand on it. So these are profound cultivations and maybe some of this might resonate, be relevant for you. Mm. So most directly you can notice how your heart energy moves, is resonated, is shaken, is urged, is encouraged, and where it begins to become more open and fruitful and there's less need for the walls. The doors are opening.
And those lead to the deathless. Anyone?